Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. October 4th, 2017 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, and this is where we discuss news, politics, and culture from an individualist perspective. I'm your host, Amy Peekoff, and welcome to everyone who's hanging out at the Blog Talk Radio chat room. We have some people filing in uh, here now that the show is just starting. I see Corey and Josh and just Jean and Mark and Michael, and Rob, Roger, Selfishness, and someone new, Vorpal Bite, is that the the name? I don't think I've seen you. Maybe you were there before, but I didn't see you before. Hello, welcome. Everybody, if you go to the blog at don'tletitgo.com, you'll see the title of today's show, Guns and Independence. And um, Are we going to sort of link these two topics in terms of guns and independence a little bit? Yeah, I've got I've got one connection because we'll talk about, you know, what's the rationale for gun ownership? And that's going to have a little to do with independence. So link them a a bit. But really, it's just because two big stories in, in the news that I'd like to talk about. One is gun control, which we've discussed on this show before, but not for a while and some of you might want to call in and, and talk about this, what you think the, the proper rationale is for gun ownership. It's all being reconsidered in light of the horrible Vegas atrocity. We're going to talk more about that. There keeps being more discussion about, you know, what was the motive of this scumbag? And ISIS is like doubling and tripling down and asserting that it was them, that he was a jihadist. And the authorities are being relatively mum about any particular motive. And we're seeing, you know, these news stories about, you know, what kind of life he led and he was an angry guy. And, you know, we'll look at some of that, too. You know, again, ISIS is asserting that he was one of them, that he was radicalized, that uh, it was, you know, for them. Uh, it's hard right now to name any other motive. I saw a story about there was a note in his room, but I don't think anybody really knows what the note is yet. There was just a photograph showing a note on the hotel room table or, or something. 
there's a lot more to learn about this. So I'm just giving you a smattering of, of what's out there. I can't tell you that it was jihad. What I can tell you is it makes absolutely no sense unless you, you know, give us some type of uh, a motive. I mean, it could be just a completely senseless thing, and that's that's true as well. And it could be that ISIS finds it, uh, you know, attractive to claim it and, you know, to talk about what horrible thing the United States did that brought this on and, and all that kind of stuff. There's a, you know, one recent thing, a Las Vegas sheriff, the Las Vegas sheriff actually asked a question, asked the question, did this person get radicalized unbeknownst to us, actually raised it as a possibility. I don't think that, you know, in today's context that it's completely arbitrary. You know, there's, there's not any, there's not no reason at all, right? You can't say that there's absolutely no reason to raise it as a question, but I haven't seen anything concrete on, you know, the side of saying, yes, it was jihad other than ISIS's own assertions. And so then the question is, you know, are those credible in any way, shape or form? No, not really. They will lie. You know, one of their doctrines is to lie in service of spreading their religion. So no. Um, in terms of independence, we have Catalan, uh, Catalonia, you know, the Catalan region of Spain wants to declare its independence. And apparently they were having a referendum on this a few years ago. It wasn't making the news as much as it is now. Apparently this is a serious movement. And there's a couple things that are interesting to talk about there. First of all, the fact that the Spanish authorities are using force to stop the referendum. They've been using force to stop the vote and, you know, to, to crack down on a region using force seems to reinforce whatever the cause is. But, you know, when I watch that and I say, oh, well, you know, isn't it nice to be even clearer that you want to be independent from these people if they're not even letting you vote about something? At the same time, we want to look at, you know, why do they want independence from Spain? Is it something that seems to be justified or not? If you would think about, for instance, a succession movement here in the United States, you know, California, there's been a secession movement to talk about secession in Texas a number of times. They've talked about declaring the independent Republic of Texas. In what situation do you think that that would be justified? Um, you know, would you like to see Texas declare itself as an independent Republic? I know that I've got a friend, uh, Joe, who always talks about don't be in California, just move to Texas. Texas is wonderful. There's a lot of cool things about Texas. I've lived in Texas for several years in, in my life at different times, a couple different times in my life I've lived there. And some of the spirit of it is good. You know, the legal environment is, is a lot more friendly, more freedom friendly. However, the weather, oh God, I just don't know if I could handle it. And, you know, they, then they'll joke and they'll say, oh boy, that weather in California must be really good because now like the latest thing is, they have to, Starbucks will have to put a warning on our coffee cups saying that coffee causes cancer. I mean, there, I can give you, I've got a little bit of state news from California today in the, in the program notes as well. The state legislature is hearing people talk about hate speech. You know, they're maybe going to crack down on hate speech in the state of California. So, yeah, so this is the kind of thing my friends from Texas and other freer states in, in the nation will maybe not even joke, you know, boy, you really must like that weather there to stay there and be enslaved in the people's state of California. 
talk a little bit about that. But, you know, what would what is it that would justify secession today? Do you think that Texas, for example, would be justified in seeking independence from the United States? And if so, why? If you're interested in talking about, like I said, either of these topics, these are the two big topics, gun control and the rationale for it, you know, or, or gun ownership and the rationale for it, either of those issues. But, you know, why do you think people should be allowed to own guns when, you know, technically we have a government that's supposed to be handling our defense? You know, they have this monopoly on the legal use of retaliatory force within this geographic area. There's police and, you know, there's the military and everything else. So why is it that we need to have guns or should have guns? Do we still need them for self-defense? If so, what kind of guns do we need? If you have thoughts on that, you can call in. The number is 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. And then also, as I said, if you have thoughts on an independence or secession movement, either Catalonia vis-a-vis Spain or Texas, California, vis-a-vis United States. Uh, what What is your opinion on that? When would that be justified? Uh, there's a couple other things, like I said, in the program notes as well, and we'll talk about those as we go on. So there we are. Uh, Corey in the chat room says, Starbucks on every corner in Cali. Pretty much. Pretty much. Robert in the chat room says, self-defense. Self-defense is the rationale for gun ownership. We will definitely get into the weeds about that, um, you know, the, and I'll, I'll get into the weeds with you a little bit about what the debate is with, with gun ownership, because there's another rationale other than self-defense that people use, and it's more controversial, and we'll have to see. Uh, we have guns because the British house troops in our homes. That starts to get more toward the sort of thing that... Um, that I have in mind to talk about. Michael says, maybe Cali could form a union with Venezuela and put into practice real socialism. Yeah. You know, there was the story that the guy who was the head of the secessionist movement in California, that he moved to Russia. And of course my joke at the time was that we weren't in California turning into the socialist or communist utopia modeled after communist Russia quickly enough for him. So he decided, okay, he'd go to the source. He'd just go ahead and move there right away. Um, now let's see. Uh, requirements. Oh, they're talking about the source of rights and things like that. We will, yeah, we're going to get into the weeds. Like I said, if you do want to call in, definitely do that. 760-888-5817. If you want to talk, then what I'd like you to do also is press the one button because people do call and then they're just listening. They use their phones to listen to the show sometimes. And obviously you're welcome to do that. I I don't mind if you do that. And so what I try to do is I try to never disturb somebody and, and pick up a line unless I think the person is actually wanting to talk. So do press one because then I'll see the little question icon. I'll know you want to talk. So as I said, the place to go, if you want to check out the program notes is over at don't let it go. Dot com And I've got a couple tweets to start. And the reason I put these in there is because we had people right out of the gate early on on Monday morning tweeting, you know, in favor of gun control. 
or perhaps banning guns entirely. Richard Dawkins was most notable. He ended up in my feed because Ben Shapiro had responded to him. I don't actually, I wasn't following Dawkins and I won't follow Dawkins now. And I actually wonder if Shapiro was following him and stopped following him. I'm not sure. Dawkins tweet was this. And you imagine this is, this is him just right after was it, it says uh, 5.30 in the morning on October 2nd. He says, Dern tootin', great shootin', cool dude, certain he's Second Amendment rights, hell yeah. I can't even say it. It's like supposed to be in some southern accent or something. And he says, every country has its psychopaths. In U.S., they have guns. What's the implication, of course, that they should take away the guns? And this is Dawkins right early in the morning after this horrible atrocity. Um, now Shapiro's comment was you need God. And, you know, to me, I would disagree with that. Obviously I'm an atheist. I don't think that he needs God. And my you know, response back to Shapiro was how about logic and a little bit of tact, but, um, you know, Shapiro's like, Oh, it's not quite enough. And I think he does. He honestly believes that someone like Dawkins could benefit from having God. Shapiro's going to think that if I was religious, that it would enhance my life as well. That's, that's his, true belief um some people were coming back to Shapiro and saying oh you're doing the same thing you're you know coming back with politics yourself but you know people get tempted right after something like this to say see I was right about whatever my opinion was on how the world should be before this happened um but to me I saw that as as tactless and it was like it was very early in the morning and then there was another guy, and I only gave you one of the tweets that was responding to him. This guy, yes, Greg, yes, or something is his name on Twitter. Some jerk from Chicago, I think he owns a pizza place or something. I don't know. He ended up in the feed because he had tweeted out something really, really horrible and vicious. It was that something like when he heard it was a country music concert, and I have to paraphrase because the guy since deleted the tweet. Um, I had responded to it, but um, a lot of people are responding to it, but this guy. So he says, uh, I was relieved because um, when, when I heard it was a country music concert, because uh, in the white community or something, he says mass shootings are just outreach or something. It's like, you know, somehow like it's all, all just white on white. And so therefore it's no big deal. And then, you know, after that, he left that tweet up almost all day. And then after that, it was all these calls for gun control. And it was like fact, you know, some fact that supposedly means that we should have gun control or gun banning. And then alt fact, something else and on and on and on. And then, you know, this guy says the, what do you say? Fact, we need a conversation about gun violence now. Alternative fact, this is the new normal where we accept our role as moving targets, this guy. And what is the response? The response from uh, Kurt Schlichter on Twitter, he says, yes, let me start the conversation. You're never going to effing disarm us. Your turn. And, you know, that's obviously not an argument. Um, you know, he, he's saying, yeah, okay, well, sure, we have had this conversation. And, you know, by the way, my mind hasn't been changed and you're not going to disarm me. 
you know, but let's let's think about it. You know, what again? What is this rationale for gun ownership? And then, is there any sort of gun control regulation that could be passed now that could make a difference at least? You know, even if you think, yeah, you should be able to own some sort of gun for a legitimate purpose. Maybe there's certain types of guns that if we ban them or controlled them in a better way, that, uh, you know, something like Las Vegas wouldn't happen again. You know, with Vegas, what I'm assuming is going to happen is that each of the hotels is going to have some sort of heightened security procedure because the problem, you know, the main problem was that this guy was in a vantage point safe way up high on the 32nd floor and you know, he's able to spray mass amounts of bullets. It was like nine rounds a second from this modified gun that he had done. And nobody could shoot him back because he's up there. And, you know, what is the answer? Typically, in any normal situation, you also have some ability, you know, some sort of sight line to shoot the aggressor. And if somebody else there is armed, then this doesn't go on very long. But in this case, it was horrible. And the real question is, how was this guy able to get was 20 some odd guns up to the 32nd floor of a major Las Vegas hotel? They need to have, you know, and and I've I've been to Vegas hotels and stuff. and, And I remember if you're trying to go into, you know, the elevator uh, sort of there's like a little elevator atrium or whatever, and you're going to go up to the room and you you have to have a card. And then there's security people there who are also watching those security people are going to have to be able to look a little bit more carefully at what it is that people are bringing up to their rooms. It's, it's going to be a mess, but I'm thinking that there's going to be some sort of heightened security procedures to try to, avoid this. Maybe they're not going to have outdoor concerts like this, big outdoor concerts in places that are vulnerable to vantage points like that. I don't know. Um, Josh in the chat room says, I heard that they're never going to heighten security in Vegas because they don't want people to notice security. I could definitely see that. I, I could see that because, you know, it is. it's a little unnerving if you're not used to it. So for example, I went to Brazil and I gave a talk in Brazil once and I was staying at a hotel and the hotel was connected to a shopping mall. So you just go right out of the hotel into a shopping mall. And it was Porto Alegre, I believe was where I was. And so I go into the mall and we're talking full military with big guns. And I'm not used to seeing that in the shopping mall, you know, it is. It's, it's it's a little disturbing. So um, now I, I see somebody who is calling, and then it looks like getting disconnected. I'm not sure uh, if you if you want to call in and talk about gun control, I'll definitely pick up the call right away. It's someone I think who's on Skype, and then maybe you don't want to spend your Skype money just hanging out online. So if you next time you guys you call in again, whoever's calling on Skype, I'll go ahead and pick it up and, and try to talk to you. So what I want to go into is. You know, first of all, is gun control the answer? There's a whole lot of statistics. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and grab this. Got the person back on again. Hi, who's this? You calling about the gun control Hello. issue? Yeah, sure. Um, this is Arjun from Hong Kong. 
Hi, uh, thanks for calling in. How are you? Um, make sure to turn down your audio, anything you have going in the background, so that there's just not feedback. I just did but that. Well, um, is it still great. bad? No, I now I okay. can hear you fine. Uh, sure. So, um, you know, um, for guns, like uh, I before this event, I I had a really firm view about uh, guns, but then I I reexamined my views, but I came out around the same, um, actually exactly the same. Uh, I came out. Uh, sorry, I arrived at the same views I had before after reexamining my views. Um, so I just believe so, the line so is at you, full auto. I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested. Can you describe the process then? Like, what was your view before, and then what what was the reexamination like? Well, just essentially full auto um, uh, being the line, and then um, uh, but it was just the fact that this guy couldn't have done this if he didn't spray. As far as I can tell. Um, they haven't confirmed whether he, the guns that he did use were the the um, you know the modified ones with the um, special um, stocks, the bump mm-hmm. stocks. But but I think that's the most likely answer here because they haven't mentioned any machine guns yet, like actual machine. Yeah. Guns. So I'm I'm looking at this uh, opinion piece from Washington Post that I've got in the program notes. It was the statistics one from the 5:38 news writer, and the there's a a video that comes as part of the header of the article. And it says in the caption to the video, it says police found 12 weapons with bump fire stocks in the shooter's hotel room. Is that what you're referring to? Bump fire stocks? Yes. Uh, Were you aware of this um, before? I wasn't aware of this particular Um, issue. No, I'm not into the technicalities of of assault uh, rifles, right? I was anyway, no, but I've, you know, I'm. I don't even live in America, but I'm. I am. I am aware of this. I was aware of this before, and I. Um, you know, m- most people didn't think much of it, but I. I did think it. It made the capability quite uh, similar to an actual machine gun. So, um, I definitely think that this is a fair game for the government, perhaps, to come in on this particular um, device. You can. You can look it up on YouTube if you want, to get an idea. Um, okay. But nothing is confirmed yet because they didn't say that he didn't have machine guns, but they didn't say he did yet. So I, I'm assuming he didn't. Um, anyway, but that's but I have nothing original to say over there. I think most people probably will get to that point. Um, the thing that well, I was so let me no, but that, let me ask you, Arjun, when you when you think yeah. of the, I assume then what's going on in your mind is that the rationale for gun ownership would be self-defense. No, yeah, yeah, that's what it. I was trying to get. To. That's what I was going to get to. So for right. the, uh, you know, the controversial thing that you mentioned, like an insurrection, you know, um, I've, I mean, it's not original. The principle is not original, but I just kind of want to give my two cents here. So mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to an insurrection, insurrection, I mean, if you want a successful insurrection, especially with, I mean, you know, this is really worst case scenario because, like, America is the best country in the world by far. And you know you don't want to you want to win by ideas and and the political process of course uh, I mean to say like uh, you know imagine the scenario which would justify it um, an insurrection so you'd want someone in on the inside and all that so it doesn't make a difference what weapons you already have before the insurrection when you're in a civil society right I mean when you're in a civil society you're not arming yourself you're in a civilized society you, the government has a monopoly on the use of force it's when that state has ended and you think that should not continue and you think this government must be overthrown because it's a tyranny like in the 
like the founding part okay, of but, layout so, so in, the, saying... in the Declaration of Independence that you want to collect the weapons. You don't want to collect okay, the weapons okay. while, so you're, let's, let's, while you let's don't separate. expect an insurrection. Wait, wait, wait. So let me, let me, let me um, separate off two things. So do you think if you have a good government that you're confident in that's not turning tyrannical, totalitarian, that there's no reason for you to own a weapon or that there is a valid reason for you to no, own no, a weapon? No, no, no reason for me to own um, military weapons, which I define as full auto or, or, or worse. Okay. Basically. Well, I mean, here's one thing, right, is that would you expect any government – to tolerate ownership by citizens of some sort of military-grade weapon. And probably you'd say, okay, well, no, I wouldn't expect, because, you, you know, okay. you'd say, so okay, well, ha- have one for self-defense, but you don't need that for self-defense, right? So I have to give credit to my friend here, uh, Fabian Bollinger. You might know him. Mm-hmm. Um, so according to him, his his principle, which I, I agree with, and it's the only one I've seen that I think is, is the best and most objective, is the principle dividing the weapons which are indiscriminate or cannot be used as discriminately against, you know, opponent by opponent, say, in a self-defense situation, versus mm-hmm. weapons which are indiscriminate, which are like for, which are for war, essentially, and not for a, um, a situation that could arrive, arise in a um, civilized, you know, um, peaceful society. So in in his principle, then you could still allow automatic for weapons, weapons even can, no, even no, with the bump fire stock because you're pointing is yes or no? No, but but the thing is, it's like a, it's a spraying weapon. So I mean, yeah, the automatic uh, weapons are kind of like the um, the uh, that's like exactly on the other side of the line, according to both of us. Okay, um, so so if it's not like a let's spray bullets at nine rounds a second pace, then maybe it's more of a discriminate yeah, weapon, and you you say okay. If you're in a war okay. or something, I mean, you know, yeah. I, I um, you know, in a peaceful society, you 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 have the assailants, and you want to you know take them down. You you know one two three one two three like three rounds per person or something. Yeah. I mean, now one one thing sorry, to think really about into one one thing to think it. about today, right? Because now, I mean, the technology yeah. that we have at our fingertips is incredible. Um, in the era of three D printers, it oh, yeah. even if yeah even if you ban the sale of you know again I I'm revealing my ignorance about some of the technology here and and the way that they put together these guns, but you know suppose they say okay we're going to ban the sale of bump fire stocks okay, and then yeah. I have a 3D printer I can probably somehow make a bump fire stock if I needed to even though nobody else sell me that's one that's a good point yeah, oh. yeah I, I think a bump fire stock can probably be fully plastic so that's a good point. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have no idea. And and does a 3D printer only make things that are plastic, or when is the 3D printer that's going to make stuff well, that's I mean, harder than know, plastic? You know, it's going to happen. They're very, they're very, um, pre- uh, they're very predominantly, uh, predominantly plastic. So all virtually okay. all plastic, I think, so far. Um, but yeah, my point. But I find that that you know that's not really original to me. This principle was laid out originally by you know Ayn Rand and others. Um, mm-hmm. But the insurrection that principle is also not original. But I think that's the, an interesting way to look at it. Maybe that you know only once you're you know you're having an insurrection that you want to have military weapons. Otherwise, you're in a civilized society, and 
everyone expects everyone else to be, you know, unarmed. Or, or not unarmed, but not armed like, you know, uh, uh, to a military level. So it's once yeah, you have restriction, I mean, then you want to collect those weapons. Okay, so decide, what you know, the what government I would, or whoever. Yeah, what I would the the thing that I like to think about is this issue, and this is where I've had interesting discussions with people in the past, which is even if you have a really good society, suppose, you know, now in Atlas Shrugged they have Galt's Gulch, and it wasn't really a government, you know, it's just a private, you know, uh, group of people. But, but that's after a dictatorship already has well, been Well, right, right, right. But all I'm saying there. is suppose suppose you had the ideal, you know, much better than United States at its founding even. So United States at its founding with the Constitution completely consistent and no slavery, and they wrote a much better commerce clause and everything else. Suppose it's just wonderful. Would there be a rationale for owning guns at that point that goes beyond just personal self-defense needs and keeps in mind the idea that if this government ever goes bad, you want to have a citizenry that is armed and able to defend itself from an overbearing government, not necessarily owning, uh, yeah. you know, military style weapons, but would you say, Oh, well there's, there's no need to even think about that unless you think, you know, oh, yeah. imminently your government's going to take over or do you think it's healthy to have guns all the time, keeping yeah. in mind both purposes, no, self-defense and as a yeah. check on government. So I think there's a very good um, philosophical point that we can isolate here. I think part of the problem with the – even I had this problem, by the way, so I'm not trying to denigrate these people. But I think the problem is that they um, – like, you know, you need certain causes and you need certain conditions for a free society, Right. So everyone accepts that. You need to achieve a free society, right? But they don't accept the reverse, that even to lose a free society, certain conditions need to be met, like, you know, in the negative. It's not like a, out of inertia that a free society, um, a, a free society has inertia is what I'm saying. So you'd see it coming. It wouldn't just be like over, overnight, you know, you'd, you'd have to, if you had any philosophical sense, if you were, observant right you, you right but the but you know, catch but the, in the whole, middle of the night but the, but the whole point is is that if by the time maybe you see it coming it's going to be harder to acquire the weapons so maybe you would say it is actually a healthy thing for people even in a free society with a government that everything's going well right now to you know own own weapons with those two reasons in mind a that we have a right of self-defense and that b yeah, everything's great now, but just in case someday our government starts to become overbearing, we want a citizenry that is armed and able to defend but isn't itself. that, isn't that, I mean, I, this might be a little bit of a stretch compared to the rest of the logical steps I was making, but isn't that mm -hmm. kind of the argument that anarcho-capitalists use, that they don't want a, a monopoly on power because they believe the monopoly on power is, could be inherently, like, you know, dangerous for them, so they want to have you know, warring gangs sort of, well, not warring gangs. I'm being like, you know, I'm not being charitable to them, yeah. but they consider it as competing authorities or competing governments. So, uh, you know, it's almost like that. You just, this is just reducing it to the level of one civilian, that every civilian is a competing government almost, even in no, but I mean, I, even I think, in a free society. You know, the, the, but the, I think the context would be, that the would only... You agree that, uh, sorry, uh, could I just put this in quickly? Um, so mm -hmm. wouldn't you agree that Beyond a certain point, maybe it's not fully automatic weapons, but beyond a certain point, 
just arming yourself with those weapons is can be considered like you know um you know an in like a sort hostile, of yeah an expectation yeah. of force a, a hostile right action. right so so for example they said that in a course of one year this guy bought like 33 weapons and Okay, you know, should um, that raise should about, that raise a red flag in a certain database? I don't or know whatever, about the right? numbers, but but I I think the probably law enforcement like I don't want to give too much into their hands, but I probably think they're more experienced and they they probably you know they probably have a whole study of this. It's like a you know like law and like how legal philosophy and then the, there might be some kind of law enforcement philosophy points mm-hmm. on this that could be developed further, or might maybe the FBI already has good ideas on where to draw the line on this, on like a cachet of weapons. What's a cachet of weapons versus a... Versus like you a, can't own a military tank, right? Well, I mean, we know in principle oh, yeah, you couldn't... Obvious, but you, yeah. the problem with the line is you want to find where the line is. Like, you know, there's... Okay, but yeah, actually you should start with the most obvious examples, I guess, then go to the harder points. So, so yeah. Suitcase, but, nuke, well, actually, military so tank. Tanks, no, you um, can't if, have these. If, they don't have, if it doesn't have the um, armament. But that's not a weapon, really. That's just a fancy car almost oh. right um uh, you know the, no the, i mean it, it's 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 def, it's definitely something you know worth discussing further i've got another call arjun so i'm going to go ahead and oh, continue yeah, quickly, the discussion to the other call i just want to ask quickly um mm-hmm. are you going to cover whether you believe that you know what what do you think about uh catalonia and all these other states gaining independence do you think it's the balkanization or do you think there's some legitimate principle that they're fighting for um, that's you're gonna what get we're going to look at in the because, second half of the show, right? Well, yeah, because I have um, I have an article that describes you know why oh, it is that they want it in California as well, but that's a lot yeah. more hypothetical. Uh, no, it's a, it is yeah. more hypothetical, but yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk about that. So if you do want to call in again at that point, just let me know. That'll be great. Okay. Oh, I don't have many thoughts on that, unfortunately. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I we'll see. When I, I when I, I say something, maybe you will. It, uh, okay. okay. Thank you. Well, thank. Thanks for calling in. I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break here with a little music, and I'm going to take the next caller. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Don't Let It Go Unheard. And today I've got two topics, guns and independence. Guns because of some of the calls that have been made toward more gun control laws, perhaps even banning guns in the wake of the horrendous Las Vegas atrocity of Sunday night. So um, I was talking with Arjun and Arjun was, you know, saying basically what's the difficulty here? We have to figure out where are we going to draw this line about weapons are, that are legitimate to own in a free, normally functioning society versus not. And he raised the principle, the idea of a discriminate weapon that you would be using in self-defense against a particular aggressor, say, versus an indiscriminate weapon. And you might say that the scumbag from Vegas 
was using only these indiscriminate weapons that would legitimately be banned. Uh, One thing I raised, suppose you say, okay, the thing that allowed the weapons to shoot nine rounds a second and be so indiscriminate and just shower bullets on these people in the most horrific way. Uh, This thing called a bump fire stock, that's what is in the photograph that I've got in front of me at the Washington Post. They say they found 12 weapons with bump fire stocks in his hotel room. Even if you ban those tomorrow, using the 3D printer technology and stuff, couldn't he do it anyway? So this is the sort of things that were raised. We're talking about, you know, what is what are the rationales for gun ownership in a free, normally functioning society with a good government? You're not on the premise that you're going to, you know, right now start an insurrection or a revolution or independence movement or anything like that. Just normal people in a normal society, many people will say, yes, you still need a weapon for self-defense in that situation because the police can't be everywhere all the time and you can pull out your gun in a matter of seconds and it's going to take the police at least a few minutes to get to you and, and that sort of thing. But can you also have legitimately in your mind, even with a valid government free society, the idea that you've got that weapon just in case the government turns bad and you need it to defend yourself or maybe even be part of an armed revolution? Is it good and healthy for a society to be that way? So th- that's the question that I raised, and I've got a second caller I'm going to go ahead and take right now. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hi, Amy. It's Matt. Matt, thank you for calling. Welcome. Have you called before? Kim, I'm not remembering exactly, so maybe it's been a, a bit of a time <laughs> or whatever since we've spoken, but welcome. So what's your view on this? Well, uh, I wanted to bring up one thing for you. You seem to... Uh, be against the average citizen owning a tank. Yeah, Would like a military-style tank with, you know, huge yeah. weapons on top and stuff, like you see in the movies, that kind. Okay. Now, now here's my question. Uh, Rand talked a little bit about um, – well, she never really talked about gun control or firearms. Very no, much. there's this, there's this huge thing obliquely. among objectivists. You know, what is gun control justified according to objectivism or not? There's a wide, you know, variety of views among objectivists about this topic. I think most sure. of us agree that you can own at least some weapon for self-defense purposes, and then that's I think where the agreement stops among objectivists, right? Okay. Well, well, my point is that uh, if I own a tank, is that a threat to you? It, it's potentially a threat to and anybody Rand who's... And talked about uh, potential versus actual in terms of abortion, and that's one of the reasons right. why she ejected. And so aren't you uh, leading down that same path of taking the potential yeah, over the actual? Yeah, so, 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 then, so that, that's why we really need to talk about what are the proper rationales for weapon ownership if the premise is, right, you know, because Rand talks about what is a government. A government is this entity that has a monopoly on the legal use of retaliatory force in a given geographic area, right? And so Mm -hmm. then the question is, what is the legitimate purpose for owning a deadly weapon, you know, like a gun? or you know, a tank or whatever, what is the legitimate purpose for owning that in that context where you have said, I am delegating you know, the, the right to the you know, self-defense to the government, 
Now, the government, a legitimate government, is going to make rules about you being able to use deadly force and self-defense in the heat of the moment. You know, in exigent circumstances, you can't get the police with you all the time. We don't walk around with our own, you know, bodyguards and stuff, right? So, yes, you can defend yourself even using deadly force according to the rules of a free society. Uh, but, you know, what, what kind of weapon can you have for that purpose? What serves that purpose? Because, again, what's the premise? The premise is that we have delegated the right of self-defense to the government. The government, like I said, they can't be everywhere all the time, so they have said, okay, even though you've delegated it to us, within these limited situations, you you know, you yourself take action in self-defense, and that's perfectly legitimate, and we're not going to see you as like some vigilante outlaw when you do that. Um, then, then you say, okay, if that's the context, then what are the legitimate weapons that you can have? Is a tank one of those? I would say no. But, you know, this is one of those situations where we can have, you know, the beer or the glass of wine or whatever and have a, a debate about it. Where do you draw the line given, I, I mean, would you say nuclear weapons? Somebody could have a nuclear weapon? It's interesting because I, uh, I actually went, to a libertarian group meeting one time. It was uh, right before an election. And I think I was the only one who actually showed up at this place. <laughs> and uh, mm. uh, at any rate, it was, uh, was it Brown I was talking to? And he had mentioned that he had gone to the NRA convention and Pat Buchanan had been there before. And Pat Buchanan said something kind of nebulous, sort of, uh, maybe you can keep a uh, weapon. It's probably okay. And then... He got up there and said, yeah, you can have any weapon you want, yeah, right up to including nuclear weapons. Hmm. No, so. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I mean, if you're an anarchist, <laughs> obviously you think that. But, it, you know, if, if the idea is that you have delegated this, you know, right of, of self-defense, you've, de- you've delegated the use of force and self-defense to the government, a reasonable government, like I said, is going to allow you to, you know, use some force in self-defense when you need to in the, in the heat of the moment. But other than that, you know, you're, you, you, it's like what weapon is necessary for you to be able to, to do those things. Otherwise, I mean, we're all going to be our own private army. No, what about outside the country? Well, outside of country is a different thing. I mean, I'm I'm talking, you know, within the context of a, a country with a valid government and, Sure. What about outside, though? William Walker was a mercenary who famously took over Nicaragua with 59 guys. And is, I don't know, is that legitimate? I mean, you know, I would want to know, you know, first of all, you've got the dictators. And if if you are going to unseat a dictator who is, you know, violating the rights of his own citizens and you say, okay, maybe you're morally entitled to do it, but that, that, that's, this is another topic, right? The, the topic here is, you know, is there a limit on, and I, I'm hearing some feedback, so I need you to turn the volume down in the background there, Matt, if you can. I got nothing. Um, I'm, I'm hearing some feedback, which is weird, but you know, the question is, is, is there a limit on the type of weapon that you can use given this, context and i would say yeah an army tank is something that wouldn't be appropriate to own as just a normal citizen in a free society i remember seeing the tanks on the streets of westwood 
when there was the whole uh, riots and Rodney King and all that. And it was pretty unnerving to see the tank. You know, National Guard came in with the tanks and the guys and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's it's not the normal kind of thing in a free society that you expect. People going around just walking with huge automatic weapons and stuff, I wouldn't expect that either. So where would you draw the line? We could have a discussion. Ban bump I fire would, stocks. Uh, Don't ban bump fire stocks. Uh, well, bump fire stocks are the whole other case entirely. Uh, again, uh, as you noted earlier, there there's a few things about them. They're not very accurate. Um, but as one of the few people here who probably has ever fired an automatic weapon, I can tell you they're not very accurate in and of themselves. Okay, so because, so you would say if if we did accept the principle that Arjun was talking about, you know, and he had credited Fabian uh, with articulating that principle, I guess before, but bump fire stocks because they are not accurate, then maybe you'd say okay, they would not be something appropriate for exercising your right of self defense. Um, I no, I would not say that at all. Um, it. Yeah, they they have a use. Um, you can put. Uh, it's probably actually as as accurate or more accurate than your average automatic fully automatic weapon. Uh, that's not on a tripod or bipod or something. But, okay. Uh, but using them, you know, it, it, it's all a joke to me because I can fire them off just as fast, squeezing my trigger finger uh, as quickly, and a whole more accurately. So. I, I just view all the automatic versus semi-automatic versus bump fire and all that as just immaterial. It's 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 a sideline. Okay. It, there's nothing legitimate to it at all. And and Matt, what do you think about uh, thinking of as a rationale for gun ownership in a free society? The idea that we do want to have ownership of private weapons as a little bit of a check on the government that they can't just run totally roughshod over citizens and turn totalitarian tomorrow. No, we have a whole lot of historical precedents to show that. Um, when totalitarians come to power, it's not the very first thing they do, but uh, they do it piecemeal. First, you got to register, and then you have to demonstrate that you have them or something, or you know, bring them into city hall to register them. And, you know, and then pretty soon they know who has them they show up in the middle of the night, confiscate. That's that's a same old story that's always gone on. Right. So, I mean, if we accept as a rationale that we do need to have some sort of a healthy check on the power of government, if that's an additional rationale for gun ownership, it might entail that we could, you know, own something a little bit more powerful that's not just for individual self-defense from some guy who holds me up in the alley, you know, to try to steal my Definitely. purse or whatever. Right. Definitely. A hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, and that's why I say, you know, that's why I really like to bring up the, the issue of the tank. Um, you know, it is no threat to you. If I have one, uh, is there a potential there? Well, it <laughs> depends on which side we're on, I guess. I mean, you know, it is it is sort of a, a statement that you expect a potential need to use the thing at some point. I don't know. It's, um, you know, is it is it on the idea that you haven't delegated your right of self-defense to the, the government? This is where I think it's interesting. You know, I, I, I'm sympathetic to the idea that part of the reason that we should own guns is so that it's not completely 
easy for, you know, would be dictator to take over that there's, you know, a potential to resist in some way, but should we own tanks? I, I tend to think no. And then I want to explore why that would be, you know, what, what sort of weapon would be appropriate as, as that kind of a check, but um any more thoughts on it, Matt, before I let you go and, and go to some of the comments no, well, in the chat room here? Next next time we're in the uh, same geographical area, I'll sit down and have a cider with you and we can talk more. But <laughs> as far as here, no, it's probably probably worn it out. Okay. Well, thanks for calling again, Matt. Um, and, can I, can um, I jump in with one more thing quick? Sure. Um, I'm also, uh, I do a lot of 3D printing, and uh, it, it may be somewhat under misunderstood. Uh, I have actually the uh, 3D printed stocks for people for AR type weaponry. Mm. Um, I have a I have a particular uh, printer that uh, will do carbon fiber based uh, nylon, uh, so it works really well for okay. even for that kind of thing. Um, I'm also looking at buying uh, metal 3D printers. Uh, they're pretty expensive. Um, to get the really precise ones, are about a million and a half. In uh, wow. that'll do a fairly large part. And there's new companies coming up. Well, there's one old company, one new company, and uh, they're making some that are about a hundred, just over a hundred thousand uh, to do metal. Right. Uh, so I'm 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 right to slow, I'm I'm right to suspect that all of this discussion of banning these what do they call them bump fire stocks, right? If you ban right, these, right. they're going to be able to print them anyway. So what's the point? Well, even more so than that, I could go to a five-axis milling machine and produce one out of aluminum in real short order. Okay. And uh, it it's more uh, it, 3D printing is uh, catching on, but right now you just don't have files. You need uh, what's called an STL file to uh, to to use the printers. They operate on the they turn it into G code. You know, it's a whole software issue. But you have to have the design before you do the print. Right. And so whoever um, can do that, and that's where it's really tough because there's just not a whole lot of people who were experienced with uh, computer drafting and can uh, build these files. And so that's where, where your real bottleneck is. You know, printers are cheap. You can buy small plastic printers for $300 or thereabouts. Oh, but, wow, I didn't uh, know it was getting that files, cheap. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Coming up with the files, though, is a totally different story. If somebody hasn't already done it, then you have to do it yourself, and that's a lot of work and skill and expertise. Well, my guess is if they were to ban certain things, then people would be more motivated to distribute files or create files that you know that are needed to create these things on their own. But maybe right now there's just not a market for it, so to speak, right? Sure. Absolutely. And I, I get I guess, I guess we'll see. Well, thanks, Matt, for uh, calling in. And, and th- oh, sorry, I, I got you off too early there. Um, and also thank you for educating me more about the 3D printing. I was guessing that the technology was was no doubt there. And, you know, given what I had heard before about it and, yeah, being able to make things other than plastic as well. Uh, so, you know, the statistics that are here in this article by the former 538 news writer you could take a look at those. Are those statistics relevant to the question that we have, right? If the statistics actually showed that if you confiscated everybody's gun, all the law-abiding citizens, obviously, right, because the criminals, you know, there was a tweet by um, 
Dana Loesch out there on Twitter. Let me see if I can find it for you because, you know, she's a big gun rights advocate, a Second Amendment advocate. So let me find that for you, Dana. There she is. I follow her. She doesn't follow me. Can I cry? Um, Hers was, what is the gun law that will elicit cooperation from criminals, right? Uh, The criminals are not going to give over their guns. We're going to give over, the law-abiding citizens are going to give over their guns, or, you know, some of them might not. They're going to go ahead and, um, you know, go ahead and rebel. But the point is, is that it's only law-abiding citizens, how about that, who are going to turn over their guns. No criminals. Some law-abiding citizens will resist because they believe, yes, we've got the right to do it. But, you know, suppose that you could give me statistics and it's like, okay, if, if, you know, there was a ban and the government confiscated all the weapons and everything, then there'd be almost zero murders and, you know, very little crime and it would be wonderful nirvana. Whenever you're showing these statistics, nonetheless, there is the moral to consider. And the question is, do we or do we not have a right to own a weapon like a gun to use in self-defense? So, for example, uh, if you are a woman and you would like to have a gun, which is one of the very effective ways to defend yourself against a male aggressor, because males are traditionally more uh, strong. You know, for example, if you have any doubt about the strength differential between males and females, all you have to do is look at some of the recent stories about women who have been given, you know, the opportunity, the invitation to go ahead and try to become, you know, certain types of officers in the various branches of military. Very, very physically demanding training tracks and tests and everything that they have to go through. Number of women, they just can't cut it. And we're talking, these are the toughest women out there, you know, strong, mentally strong, physically, and they just, they can't do it, right? Because there's certain limits on physical strength. So if a woman wants to defend herself against a male aggressor, particularly somebody who would be a rapist or something, that gun is a very effective thing. And you're going to say she doesn't have a right to have that to use in self-defense. The same, the other kind of story that you hear all the time is someone who's elderly and there's a home invasion into a home in a retirement community or something because they think, oh, it's easy prey. And the grandmother pulls out the weapon and shoots the guy dead. I've, I've seen a number of those stories. Sometimes you are in a situation where you do need a gun in order to fight off some sort of an aggressor who's a lot stronger. Yes, there are other ways you can learn to defend yourself, but should you be required to simply because in general we delegate our right of self-defense? So what I would say is, yeah, okay, look at these statistics that we've got in that 538 article. And again, what does the author say? The author says that I used to think gun control was the answer. My research told me otherwise. And what she said, Leah Labresco is her name, she went through you know, all these different candidates for, well, maybe if you ban this and maybe if you ban that, then it would make a big difference. And apparently it did not. Um, you know, if you look at the statistics, the difference would not be statistically significant. Now, there's one passage in here that said that she she said she researched the tightened gun laws in Britain and Australia and concluded that they didn't prove much about what America's policy should be. 
She said, neither nation experienced drops in mass shootings or other gun-related crime that could be attributed to their buybacks and bans. Now, I had somebody, when I was posting this on on, uh, Facebook, come back and say, oh, that's BS, and then here's, I don't think they said BS. But um, that's that's me. Uh, But they said, you know, here's some other statistics. And what I would want to know is what was the definition of mass shootings that each side is working with? So this woman from 538, her definition of mass shootings might have been different. I don't see any citation or particular chart here. I don't see any discussion of what the definition of mass shooting is, according to the author of, of this piece from the Washington Post. Uh, you know, she was dealing with some definition. People have different definitions of what a mass shooting is. What I do know is the one that this uh, man cited, you know, when he was saying this is garbage, that there was a difference. Their definition of mass shooting was four or more people killed. And that's fairly low. So what I'm guessing is that this woman was using a different definition of mass shooting and that you can't just completely dismiss her analysis of statistics because they were working with a different definition of mass shooting. Overall, though, if you, again, you back up from this, you say, okay, here's the statistics. Uh, Suppose, yeah, I mean, it, it would be a whole lot safer. There'd be a lot less crime if we had a strict curfew across the whole country and nobody could be out past 10 o'clock at night ever. In fact, they did that in communist Russia for some period of time or something, right? You're not supposed to be out past a certain hour. Yeah, much less crime, but that is not how people live in a free society. So the mere fact that you could throw me some statistics and say, okay, it either does or doesn't make a difference. It's a similar sort of argument as saying, well, there would be fewer poor if, we, you know, have antitrust laws or if we have minimum wage laws or whatever, we need to talk about the moral, uh, the you know, the moral principle involved and the application of the moral principle involved. The fact that you can show on a whole certain types of t- statistics doesn't justify, you know, you could say, OK, well, we'd have fewer heart attacks in our country if we just completely banned sugar, the use of sugar. All, I'm pretty sure that would be true, that if you banned sugar, if nobody could buy sugar, use sugar in any recipes, but what in the world would life be like, right? So, you know, again, the, you know, I gave you examples of, of people who need guns in order to be able to defend themselves from the regular types of aggression that occur due to just normal criminals in a normal society that, you know, I would say morally, it is appropriate to have laws that would allow somebody to own at least a handgun to use in self-defense. Again, where do you draw the line is another question. I've got more callers here in the queue, and I want to go ahead and take some of those. Let me go ahead and do a quick musical interlude, and then I'll come back and grab some calls.
Okay, I'm back, and I'm excited to see all the calls today. I'm going to have to, if we're talking about guns, go sort of quickly through these because I want to get on to the topic of independence as well. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Yeah, hi, Amy. Uh, John Kenny in uh, Carson City. Hi, how are you? Did you know people who were at this concert or anything? I did not, no. Uh, Some of my friends had some friends there, but uh, they weren't there during the uh, shooting. But uh, that brings up my question. You know, I'm really interested in this girlfriend, the one that uh, was in the Philippines. She was Mm -hmm. living with the the shooter. Now, Mm -hmm. my question is, what was her reaction when she heard about this mass murder? Did she burst into tears? Did she right. scream? Right. Uh, you know, uh, did she say, that's my boyfriend. He's dead. All those people are dead. Or did she have ice, ice water in her veins? Now, if she did not react at all, that tells me this is definitely a jihadi attack. Do you know what I'm okay. saying? Okay. Yeah. Right, because she now, would be sort of in on it. You know, I have not seen anything that talked about her reaction in particular, what I understand is that she arrived back in the United States last night and Washington Post, I put the link to the article in the program notes, had this piece about her this morning and about their relationship. And, you know, some people at this casino were saying, oh, they were so cute and the lovey-dovey and the whatever. And then the people at the Starbucks were saying, no, this guy was a verbally abusive, you know what, to her in front of them saying, and he actually said this, I bought you, he said, to her in front of these people at Starbucks. So real uh, horrible. Now, that doesn't mean he's not yeah. a jihadist, that he's, you know, he's also an angry, horrible, verbally abusive person. He could have, you know, done that. But yeah, yeah. I would be interested. Yeah. I'd be interested in the same thing. I do, I do feel like there, you know, there's a lot of information that the authorities have that they're not releasing yet. I don't know what it is, but yeah, yeah. you get this sense that there's this dearth of information and that, that, you know, for instance, Daily Wire published this picture of supposedly there was a note in the hotel room and we don't, we have no idea what's in that note. We, we got to, you know, find all this stuff out. And I guess we're going to find it in the fullness of time, but why is it that they don't, want us to know what's there it's, it's interesting yeah, you know that that's that's a big question because you know the one elephant in the room that nobody ever talks about is this fbi it has been mm-hmm. working the last eight years under the aegis of an alinsky marxist and, and mm-hmm. an islamophile right and they've been marinating that with, with with their bosses i mean brennan and clapper and coming they all seem to uh seem to me to belong in a padded room to me and you know, all, the, uh, one of the of things. Obama. One of the things that I saw because I went over to Jihad Watch because Jihad Watch is the one that has been publishing news about, you know, that ISIS is taking credit, right? And that yeah. the, you know, that the sheriff in Las Vegas asked this question about, you know, was this guy radicalized and stuff. One thing that would make sense is that they wouldn't be giving us the whole picture while they scour all of the communications and the communication channels to, you know, get as much information as they can before they would announce things publicly. And then all of the, you know, the, the, you know, sort of the fruits from scouring those channels would shut down because nobody would be using them anymore. Right. So like, suppose they learned, okay, 
you know, this guy, he was radicalized and he communicated with ISIS by this particular means or whatever. And then they were able to go and look and try to find other people who are also communicating with ISIS by those means. That would be understandable to me. Like they would, they'd want to keep things kind of hush until they retrieved as much information as they could that could be used to prevent a future attack. And then they release it. Okay, cool. That's fine. Uh, yeah, so I can see. Yeah. I can see I, I a see legitimate that. rationale. I can see a legitimate yeah, rationale. Yeah, that's if they're if money. they're honest. That's if they're yeah. honest. But uh, I mean, th- these people came out with this statement that's definitely not ISIS. Within what two hours of the murder? No, yeah, and that seemed had, fishy, and that does seem fishy. fishy. It's like how could they have scoured enough within that short yeah. period of time to make a definitive statement? That is. I mean, I, I, I hate, I hate when they do that. Yeah. How about yeah. it, did they say anything about his emails? I mean, that's you know they just got no. his uh, laptop I think two days ago or yesterday. I see. So that's so. that's ridiculous. I mean, it is it is really just ridiculous. There is something that we need to keep an eye on that's relevant to you know. Again, I'm not I'm not a conspiracy theory type, and I, I just the the idea that it's actually you know like the FBI is actually infiltrated with you know, people who are trying to promote Islam in the United States or whatever. I mean, this is the way that you'll hear about this sort of conspiracy. For sure. I'm, I'm, I'm not that person. What do you think, person, do you okay? think Brennan was and Comey and, well, and Clapper? So, they're, so they're I all, think that, I think, right. no, I think, I think that they are just stupid liberals is what I think those people are. Okay. But here's something to watch, right? Here's something to watch concrete that I just, like I said, I was going to Jihad Watch because Jihad Watch is the one that's publishing the, you know, ISIS says this and the sheriff says that. And there's a, a piece there. I didn't put it in the program notes, but, you know, it's stuck in my, it's stuck in my mind because we need to watch it. Remember the Garland Jihad attack when they had the draw the Muhammad cartoon contest yeah. thing and stuff. So when that happened, there was a police officer who, you know, shot the two scumbag jihadists who showed up ready to kill everybody. And he got a bullet like in the ankle or something, this poor guy, right? But he was such a hero, awesome dude. He is now suing the FBI because he believes that they covered up things and in effect allowed it to happen and allowed him to be injured. And, you know, we could... You and I could have this discussion, you know, again, this is one of those weird discussions to have about how much should the FBI let events unfold before they intervene, you know, um, because they need yeah. to let things unfold and before they intervene a little bit so that they can learn all the information that they need to prosecute those scumbags, to prevent future scumbags from doing their stuff, discover who the other scumbags are, right? They have to let events unfold to a certain extent. But then if they let it go too far, then guys like this heroic police officer get hurt and sometimes killed. So, you know, where do you draw the line? But if there is some sort of horrible thing going on in the FBI, there's a potential that some of that could come out in the courtroom in a a lawsuit like that, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, I hope so. So, um, so that was that was longer than I wanted, but I get I get excited about this topic. So John, thank you for for calling in. Okay. Anything else before I take the next caller? Oh, I just want to give you one example from Leonard Peikoff about uh, what you shouldn't do under uh, with guns. The example okay. he gave is you can't keep an A bomb in your backyard. I always use that. Yes. 
Yeah, nuclear. Yeah, you can't have a nuclear or atomic bomb. Yeah, in your backyard. Yeah, you can't have Um, an A bomb in your backyard. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, and that that seems to make sense if you believe in government at all. Yes, that definitely makes sense. Thanks very much, John. We will talk again, and I thank you for calling. I'm going to go ahead and grab the next caller in the queue. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. What's your name? My name is Pianchi. I'm calling from the Midwest. You know you was talking about sizes of weapons. Okay. I think it's really doing injustice when you try, you attempt to tell someone what it is that they need in order to feel safe. With some people, that may be a twenty-two. Some it may be a forty-five or a fifty caliber. For some people, it may just be a baseball bat. So I hate sure, to see the day but- come. But do you do you agree, for example, you can't have an A-bomb in your backyard? Well, <laughs> I think that was I think that would defeat the purpose. Uh, if you had an A-bomb in the backyard, you not only kill your imposing threat, but you also would uh, kill yourself too. Sure. But uh, I'm totally against people trying to dictate to someone. Uh, what it is that they need in order to alleviate the threat. You know that has been so you would Court. so you would you would have you would have no limits whatsoever, even in a society where the premise is that you had delegated this retaliatory use of force to the government, that the government was going to objectively go after the bad guys as opposed to us engaging in vigilante justice on the streets. Well, you also have to consider at some point in time, hopefully not, but the possibility always do exist especially when you look at history, that the government itself may become the threat. Right. And and so that was something that I was raising earlier as well. And I don't disagree with you. I think that potentially that is another rationale for legitimately owning a weapon, even in a, you know, a society where you accept government, the existence of government, the government is, is doing this, that, you know, having that gun as some sort of insurance is okay too. But even then it seems like there would be some sort of limit on it. So you wouldn't draw a limit anywhere. I would know. And and also we we're speaking about the possibility of, of having to use the weapon as a deterrent to a threat. But some people like myself just love to collect weapons. I'm have a I have a I have a fondness for old revolvers. The older the better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, one other thing, too, about the, you know, there's about five cities here in the United States, last I count, I know of one for sure, that have it mandatory that occupants, residents of those cities must have weapons. Now, I'm not saying yeah. that they come out and actually take you to court if you don't, but it is on the books. And those cities are Virgin, Utah, Nelson, okay. Georgia. Hmm. Gun Barrel City, Texas, Noodle, hmm. Colorado, and Kennesaw, Georgia. And I know Kennesaw, Georgia, which is outside of Atlanta, still have that ordinance. And like I say, I'm not saying and don't know of any cases where the authorities have came out and and wanted to check and see if you did, then right. cite you for not. But, uh, yes, there are those type of regulations that still exist on the books. Interesting. Interesting. Pronounce your name again because I didn't fully digest it in my it's brain. It's P-I-A-N-K-I, Pianchi. It's Pianchi. Pianchi. Oh, I think I saw you in the chat room. I thank you for 
for calling. Yeah, I'm a very me. strong Second Amendment rights. I don't believe in no that some of these notions talking about that when the uh, founding fathers created the Second Amendment that uh, they didn't have AK-47s in mind. No, that's not true. It uh, it permits you to form a militia and also states the uh, Supreme Court decisions that came down of reason that uh, the two components, the second component, that the right for you to own a weapon should not be infringed by by Congress. Yeah, and I'm I'm very strongly in favor of that too. And we could say, well, maybe the founders didn't have that in mind at the time, but if they did have in mind self-defense, and in some you know scenarios now, if the criminals have those horrible weapons, maybe we need something a little better. Do we need an AK-47? Again, that's uh, you know a discussion that's, we have over wine choice. and beer. Yeah, but that's I that's their choice. And you know, one other thing, real quick, the West was founded. People that founded the West, the settled the West came up with ways to resolve disputes among themselves. Those uh, disputes, when they were resolved, they became rules and regulation. When law authorities got there, finally, they didn't, they didn't do away with those rules and regulations. They just made them the law. Because what better laws are there than the ones that people themselves come up with between each other? No, I mean, cer- certainly laws that you know, grow up out of custom can be very good because, you know, rational people over a course of time can figure out the the best way to deal with each other. That's true. So I I thank you for calling Pianchi. I've got another call. Thank you very much. I hope, I hope we will talk again. Let me grab this one last caller and then we have to fly through other topics. It looks like, hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hi, this is Eric. Um, Hi. I was going (laughs) to, I was going to say a lot of what Pianchi just said. I, I, he stole my thunder. But oh, did he? Okay. I, so you you not, also not believe it, that there shouldn't be a limit on the type of weapon that you own? I see that that's. I I'm trying to frame a way of saying it without him and Han too much. I mean, I agree with you that no, I mean, having an A bomb in your backyard doesn't make any sense, and mm-hmm. you can own a tank. But there's a bunch of regulations on how you can move it and all that, and you can't own any of the armament that would go with it that people would right. That's what I have of. in mind, obviously. Yeah. But um, I mean, it's just like you can own a Humvee, an actual military Humvee, but you can't have the 50 caliber machine gun that goes with it. Sure. But um, the 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 issue that I have when it comes to, you know, thoughtful, common sense, and I'm using air quotes now. Uh, gun control in this case is that it snowballs because, well, obviously we can't have tanks. Obviously we can't own a B-52 bomber. Obviously we can't have an A-bomb. That's all government stuff, right? But we've already gotten to the point now where they want to tell us we can't have full auto machine guns. Okay, great. We can't have rifles with 30, uh, 30 round magazines. We can't have yeah, they, you know, we can't have shotguns that still hold seven rounds in their magazines. We can only we can only have two or three rounds in a shotgun. If we allow somebody else to tell us what we can have, then eventually they're going to tell us we can't have anything. You well, know? And, and I, you know, I don't is, I don't want to sound really... paranoid when I say that, but mm. it's how things go. I mean. Right, we, but we, so, we don't, so this, this so is no example, West anymore. But no, but the, but think but think about this too, right? So, 
there, you know, there are laws about being able to use, um, you know, deadly force and self-defense, right? And they talk okay. about the sort of situations in which it's okay, you know, that you wouldn't be prosecuted if you had to use deadly force and self-defense. And people talk about all the, you know, different things with home invasions or what sort of force is the person using against you and did you reasonably see them as threatening and all those things. Um, sure. Do you think once there is any sort of limit on your ability to use deadly force and self-defense that therefore it's all lost and you're not going to be able to do that? I, I don't see it that way. You know, there's there's situations where... You know, pe- people need to draw a line along a continuum. When does, you know, you could talk about when does hair on the chin become a beard or something, right? Um, well, and but that, that's yeah, also you why need to, people you need to have to carry insurance for that. There, there's Excuse an organization me? called the USCCA, the United States Concealed Carry Association. They actually provide insurance so that you have the ability to get an attorney and defend yourself for having defended yourself using a weapon, and even right. in situations where you're not. People, sure. people are arrested all the time for having shot a burglar in their own house or for defending themselves out in public because we are no longer to the point of, well, obviously that guy was threatening you, so you know that just makes sense. No, now you always have to go to court to prove always. that what you did was justified. Yeah, always. And it, it's it's really disturbing that, that you have to do that. N- nonetheless, you know, again, it, it seems to me that if we're in a society where the premise is that we have delegated the retaliatory use of force to a government to make that use of retaliatory force objective, right, not, not vigilante, not done on whim or anger or anything else, you know, you have this judge and police officers and there's a whole trial proceeding and everything else before force is used in the typical case. If if we're in that context that it seems logical that you would be limited in the sorts of weapons that you can own for that limited purpose of defending yourself in an exigent circumstance. But at what does that, point does I mean, does it, does it seem logical what I'm saying? You need to defend yourself both against yeah, and that, and that is the question. What do, what do I need to defend myself against? Typically, I'm not, you know, anticipating, for example, huge, massive weapons or things, you know, being trained at me where I'm just defended, to, you know, expected to defend my little old self, and I don't have anybody coming here to defend me at all. Like, so, for example, if there's a war, if uh, Kim, or Rocket Man, I'll call him what, Rocket, or does he call him Rocket Boy? Is Rocket that what he calls Man. him, Rocket Boy? Rocket Man, yeah. Oh, Rocket no, Man I, I, I heard the Rocket Man part. Rocket yes. Man. Anyway. Yes, exactly, from uh, Elton John. Wonderful song. Right. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> so if Rocket Man, you know, loses his marbles more than he's lost them now and then he sends something right. to California, I'm expecting my government to defend me. I don't think I've got to have myself anti-ballistic missile technology that I can use to defend myself, right? True. I mean, I was, I was going to say that uh, the Second Amendment was originally framed because our founding fathers had just had to fight off their own legitimate government. I mean, honestly, they were all insurrectionists, if you're taking it right. from that point of view. And But now the thing is, however bad our government gets, 
we're beyond the point of being able to protect ourselves from A-bombs, uh, cruise missiles, and things like that. I mean, it doesn't Massive matter what chemical we weapons have. and stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, I mean, there, there's only so much we're going to do if we feel the need to protect us from our own government. When it comes to invading forces from other governments, no, we're still not going to be able to do anything about nukes and bombers right. and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's the Red Dawn situation that we do want to be prepared for. If you remember, well, there's been two movies of that now. The first one was the good one. But um, if somebody physically invaded this country, you know, boots on the ground kind of thing, then every one of us would be defending ourselves, I would hope. Right. Because right. there are only so many people in our military. Our military has turned into a video game military. I mean, the, the, uh, I don't mean to insult anybody. There are a lot of you know guys out there, the Marines, the Army. They they are you know, there's boots on the ground, but most of our force is, you know, uh, predator drones or uh, yeah. I forget the name of it. Uh, but anyway, you know what I'm saying there. Yeah. But when it comes to man to man, I would be fine using my eight millimeter Ot six bolt action rifle to defend myself and my neighbors from any invading force, regardless of what weapons they were using. You know, sure. if they managed to land tanks out here, then no, I'm not going to be running out in no, front and, of them. And, but and so, Eric, so Eric, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe that's another rationale, and this is not one of the two that I had brought up earlier, but, you know, the idea that it is a deterrent in the chat room. I've got someone who is going by Vorpal Bite. We said hello in the beginning of the show. It says, go ask Admiral Yamato about... American gun ownership, it deters invasion. Yeah, there are some people who are going to, you know, some enemies who are going to be deterred from invading our country because they know that we are armed. I mean, you know, this is why sometimes, you know, somebody like the scumbag in Vegas is going to rain bullets down on this crowd because he knows even if some people in that crowd, I bet some people in that crowd might have been armed, but he knows that nobody in that crowd is going to be able to hit him. And Similarly, you know, if somebody goes into a place where it's a gun-free school zone or whatever, then they know if they sure. bring a weapon in there, they're not going to have this armed opposition, and it's horrible. It's a you know free, a free-for-all. And similarly, yeah, if, if they know that here in the United States, and particularly in Texas, and I guess in those different cities that uh, um, uh, the previous caller, oh God, I'm going to have to go back and, and look at his name again in the chat room. Uh, Pianchi, is that I right? Pianchi. Pianchi? Is that right? That sounds right. Um, yeah. So he was giving us, you know, Georgia and Utah and Colorado and where was the other one? Texas. Gun barrel something Texas. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna remember these. Anyway, um I've But he's I'd talking those really on... old laws that just never get taken off the books, but yeah. um but I I think the the quote from Admiral Yamato said something about how there'd be a there'd be a gun behind every blade of grass or something but yeah he and he's he's right you know but but that's just it you know the, the second amendment wasn't about hunting or only personal defense it was supposed to be to keep our government in line it's just that the government has managed to have to acquire many more more powerful weapons than we have now but you know that's why a a fully automatic machine gun in the hands of a law-abiding citizen is never going to be a threat to their neighbors. Okay. It's you know criminals are going to do crime, commit crimes 
regardless of what they have at their fingertips to use. Yeah. Yeah, 21 people in China were killed by a dude with a knife. Well, we're going to outlaw knives now. You know, so. No, I mean, anyway, it, I but it is go. it is the case that certain weapons make these mass killings more. But yeah, we can we could we could have this debate and not really resolve exactly where we might draw oh, a line I, for. I was going to say, this this guy had all these illegal rifles. Be glad he didn't have a grenade launcher. If, if he had yeah. a drum a drum set grenade launcher, if he launched fifteen grenades into that crowd, fifty eight dead would not be anywhere near it. I mean, it would no. be, it would have been ridiculous. No. Yeah, you know, and I unfortunately, I mean, the other people might have been armed, but like like you said, anybody carrying pistols is not going to be able to shoot up to the 32nd floor in a hotel, you know, hundreds of yards away and have any chance of hitting him with any accuracy, and that would be endangering everybody around them and everybody in that hotel. So, yep, and, un- and unfortunately, this is now something that, that. The, this is something that the hotel owners in Las Vegas have to think about now and in the future you know, it's like after 9-11 suddenly we have to think about the fact that hijackers might want to you know ram the planes into buildings that they don't just want to get somewhere right. and get some money or whatever anymore right and i mentioned that about <sighs> the hotel the other day too is i mean these hotels these casinos especially are they they can pick out anybody trying to cheat with a little piece of electronic device somewhere on their person but they can't figure out that some dude's hauling 50 pounds worth of guns and ammo into their hotel. That's right. absurd. They need, they need some kind of security there, something. Yeah, but they need people with, anyway. with better eyes. I was, I was going to suggest that they go and talk to the Israelis about how to scan people in a crowd and determine who's bringing bad stuff with them up to their rooms and stuff like that, that the Israelis might have some good techniques for picking those those people up. Oh, I, I, I thank you, Eric, for your call. Did. I got to go because I've just got yep. a couple minutes uh, left in the show. So thank you. I hope we do end up talking again. And uh, boy, I don't even know we're going to be able to do the topic of independence justice today now, but I am fine with that because I've really enjoyed the discussion. One thing I just want to add to my thoughts on why thinking about gun ownership as some sort of a check on a potentially overbearing government. I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I've heard in past discussions people say, oh, well, then you're on the premise that the government is imminently a threat and that you're already, you know, evincing yourself as a potential revolutionary and everything. And I don't think that's true at all. I, I see the analogy as, you know, people make contracts with each other, Right. And even if you are kind of the best friends in the world and this is a contract, you know, both of you guys are going to perform and you don't anticipate a breach of contract at all. Nonetheless, you draw that thing up, you sign it in the contract. There are penalties usually stated, you know, if such and such breaches this and there's this penalty and the blah, blah, blah. You do this even among perfectly amicable people because everybody knows like human beings have free will and things can change and who knows And in our society, of course, the government is changing hands all the time. And, you know, our society is meant to last over hundreds of years. Wouldn't it be nice if the United States would last thousands of years? Um, So I, I don't think I don't see it at all that if you say, okay, one of the reasons I own a gun is because, you know, potentially someday I'm going to have to defend myself against an overbearing government. 
I don't see that as a threat per se. So on Friday, when I come back, because I'm doing three days a week now, we will do some justice to this topic of independence. We might learn more about whether ISIS claims of responsibility for the Vegas atrocity, whether there's anything there. Like I said, I gave you some links in the program notes over at don'tletitgo.com. Those are just links from Jihad Watch telling us, you know, what ISIS has claimed and, and such. We still need to know. And I think there are legitimate reasons for us not to know yet. It's not like some crazy conspiracy. Um, in the program notes, something you should check out that's really cool. There's a two-minute speech because two minutes was all he was allowed. Ben Shapiro on the floor of the California state legislator talking about free speech and hate speech and why it is that legislators should not be in the position of determining what is or is not hate speech. Truly excellent. It is a crime that they gave him only two minutes. They gave Erwin Chemerinsky the, you know, uh, he's, I guess he's now like the head of the law school at UC Irvine or whatever, this liberal law professor, great professor, by the way, awesome. I've watched him give talks. He's excellent. But give him like 75 minutes and give Ben Shapiro two when Ben Shapiro has been on the front lines in this. It is biased and ridiculous. So California legislature, yeah, why do I live here? Uh, but watch Shapiro. Excellent. Um, the other thing is, yeah, Tom Petty passed way too soon. And it is another excuse for you to watch that awesome performance at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame where Prince just burned it up and stole the show and was wonderful. The clip was making the rounds when Prince passed and go ahead and watch it again. So there's that there. Um, we'll talk more, like I said, about, you know, the potential jihad connection. There's a couple things about Islam in the United States, but we'll talk about independence on Friday. Okay. So thanks everyone. Sorry, I ran out of time. Didn't get all to the notes, but we will talk on Friday about independence and other things that come up. 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. I will talk to you then. Thank you. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.